Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. You're at one of those like, awkward moments where you're, you're standing there and somebody comes walking up. Maybe, maybe it's a mutual friend between you and the person you're with. And you have this whole conversation and, and you never get introduced to the person. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like you're there and they, they don't know your name. You don't know their name, but you're just kind of there. It's that awkward moment. You're just kind of waiting for that introduction. And maybe at some point you, you stick your hand out for yourself and you say, hey, I'm Chad. And don't say that if your name's not Chad, but you know how that works, right? You know, you just, there's that moment where you, you force that introduction. And it's this awkward moment where you're like trying to find out a name, trying to find out what somebody's like. Part of why we just sang that song, Yahweh, is because it's a beautiful song that introduces us to the name of the God of the Old Testament. When you read through the Old Testament, the most common name that you will see used for God is is Yahweh, and it's so much more than a title. When the Jewish people would use that in the Old Testament, it was a very personal way for them to communicate with God, because attached to that name had this idea of the one who rescues us, the one who delivers us from slavery, the one who provides for us, the one who cares for us. Many times you'll see in Scripture this idea where, where people say, he will be our God and we will be his people. Or he say, he, God will say, you will be my people and I will be your, and the word that's there is Yahweh. It's this very personal connection. It's an introduction to who God is. This is the God that we read about in the Old Testament and this is the God that the apostle Paul knew. We, we were in the book of Acts. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. We're, we're jumping back into a series today. We started a couple weeks ago before our mission summit called Life on Mars. And we're talking about this idea of sometimes we're curious about who God is. We don't fully understand who he is. Sometimes it seems like he's from a whole distant galaxy, from a whole other planet. And so we've called this life on Mars. It it would be even more significant here in just a few moments as we talk about why we're calling this series that. But what Paul does is he knows Yahweh. He knows this God. And he goes to a place, Athens in ancient Greece, it was a center for ideas and thoughts and learning. There was a university there. There were libraries there. And it was a place that was filled with idols to gods and goddesses, Greek mythology, Roman mythology. There was no shortage of temples and monuments and places that they would go to. And if you remember, Paul's there. He begins to preach. While he's preaching, they're curious. They start asking him questions. And at some point, they take him to a place called the Areopagus, which is the place where the council would come and would meet, and Paul is meeting with them there. It started at a place called the Areopagus. That's why the council is named that. Another name for that is Mars Hill. So we call this life on Mars. Paul is trying to communicate to them. He's trying to explain to them. He's trying, if you will, to introduce them to a God who they do not know. They have all these false gods, all these gods and goddesses, these idols that they worship, but they're dead. They're not real. And so Paul says this to them, Acts chapter 17, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. 
And we looked at how in, in ancient times, they, they just wanted to cover their bases. There, there's gotta be another God that's out there that we don't know about. So we're gonna set up this monument to that God and we'll worship that God too. And what Paul is saying to them is the God that you know exists but that you don't know about, let me tell you about him. And so he goes on to explain to them who God is. I, I think this highlights for us a quest that so many people are on in life. Whether they realize it or not, they're looking for God, whether it's conscious or subconscious. I mean, some of us would say, well, I don't care. You might say, I don't believe in a God. Some would say, well, I'm really not looking for him. Some of us have actually given up, and there's many of us, <clears throat> excuse me, that I think have wrong ideas about God and who he is. And today we're gonna look at Paul's introduction as we go on in Acts chapter 17, and he tells the people who God is and how God works in our lives. And so we're gonna see this in these next four verses in Acts chapter 17. And so in order to do that, what I wanna do is give to you an introduction, if you will, in three parts to God. Based on what Paul says next in his sermon in Athens, Mars Hill, what he speaks to them. Here's, here's an introduction in three parts. Here's the first part that we're gonna look at today. Number one is that God created everything. Number one, God created everything. Now look, for the, for the next few moments, we're, we're gonna give what for many of us may be some pretty basic thoughts about God. Some things that we might say, well, I already knew that. I already understood that. The truth is, I think there's times when we know things about God, but we forget them. Or for many of us, we have thoughts about God, and maybe they're not right. Maybe they're not based in scripture. The reality is a wrong view of God will distort the way you see all of life. And I think that's really important to know. Because if your view of God is not right, then it's gonna change the way you see everything else in life because he's at the very center. Well, what have we started with? Well, we've started with the fact that God created everything. Here's what Paul said to them. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. He begins by introducing them to this unknown God and he wants them to see that he is the one and only true God. He wants them to not take God for granted. In all honesty, I think a lot of times some of us, we just forget about God and how incredible he is. So let's look at some attributes of God, four attributes. And what do we mean when we say that word? Well, what's he like? What's he made up of? What's his character? What do we know about God? There's, there's more than just four, but let's consider just four of them that I think stand out in this passage. One of the things that Paul begins with is he says very clearly that God made the world and everything in it. And if you think about that, it causes us to say, well, it had to start somewhere. God created everything. Where did God come from? Here's the truth. God is eternal. He always has been and always will be. God is eternal. This is tough for us to understand because in our minds, we think everything has to kind of start in a certain place, but God is eternal. He always has been. He always will be. When I was a little kid, I can remember hearing about God growing up and just somehow I remember having this idea in the back of my mind that the God that we serve somewhere must have had a daddy God and a mommy God and that's where he came from. Like I remember having that idea. <clears throat> Scripture says something different, though. Look at this. Psalm 90, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, 
you are God. Always has been, always will be. From everlasting to everlasting. I don't get it. I don't pretend to understand it. There's parts about it that, that stretch my brain. They stretch my mind. And I go, man, I don't know that I can do that. But we can't just put God in a box. See, and, and I guess I'd challenge this thought for some of you today. There's some of you that when you have questions about God, and I think it's okay to have questions. Like, where did he come from? How, how did this happen? At some point, though, we have to come down to the fact that there's things that we just can't understand. And for many of us, if we have a question that we can't answer about God, we have a tendency to want to push God away or say, if I can't understand it, then it must not be true or it must not be right. And it's hard for me to go sometimes, my brain's just too small to understand it. Anybody else? Anybody sitting next to anybody whose brain's just too small? Anybody? <laughs> right? Okay, don't raise your hand. Okay, here's the deal. That's what faith is. Faith is when I say, I don't fully understand this, but God, I put my trust in you. There's this beautiful expression in Psalm 131 where the psalmist writes, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Look, that, that's not a discouragement of science or discovery or great studies in theology. It's the reality to go, God, there are some things I don't get and yet I still trust you. That's faith. And that's what it means when we say that God is eternal. Take that one more step. Paul says not only did he create everything, but he's the, watch this term, he says he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He's saying, look, there's no confining him. From what you can see on earth to all that's in the highest heavens, he is a God who is there. He's not confined to time and space like you and I are, here's a second attribute of God. Not only is God eternal, but God is omnipresent, omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. He is everywhere at the same time. That word omnipresent, omni is, is, a, is a part of a compound word that means all. Present is the other part of that word, and present means, anybody? Present, okay, good, good, yeah, that's good. So God is all present. He's always there. He's everywhere at the same time. Jeremiah chapter 23, God is challenging those who are challenging him. He says this, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I fill the heaven and earth, declares the Lord? He says, there's nowhere you can go that I'm not there. And there's no place that I am not. He wants us to see he is omnipresent. This is a stretch for us again because, because we are not. We can't understand this. There's a, there's a tourist attraction in the southwest part of the United States. It draws thousands of people there every year. It's a six-hour drive from the nearest airport. It's 33 miles away from the nearest town. It's not really that noticeable or that great to look at. The thing you go to see there is this small bronze marker that's only about three inches in diameter, but it marks the spot where Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico come, and it's called the Four Corners. Anybody ever been there? 
Yeah, some of you have been there. It's, it's a really unique spot. I've never been there. Obviously, thought it'd be kind of cool to go where you just have this little plaque that's in the ground that's there, and it's where those four states all touch. All the corners of those states come together. So people think, oh, it's a really cool place. I want to go see it. And if you search on the internet, you'll find all these pictures of people who go there, and they get down on all fours. So they can put a hand in a state, a hand in a state, and a foot in a state, and a foot in a state, and then go, take my picture. I'm in four places at the same time. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you just got a great shot for Instagram. That's it. That's all you got in that moment. And we want to say to ourselves, I was able to be four places at the same time. If you feel better about yourself, it's okay to say that. <laughs> but you're still just in one place. God, on the other hand, is everywhere at the same time. How can that be? Well, Paul says because he does not live in temples built by human hands. Now picture this with me. Paul is in Athens. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's talking to all these philosophical leaders. Some of them were philosophers. Some were people that worshiped idols. Some of these were rulers in the community. And he says to them, the God I'm telling you about who created everything, he's everywhere at the same time, he's eternal, and he's not bound to temples built by human hands, which at which point Paul could have gone like this and pointed up to the Parthenon, which was, was like the greatest temple in Greek mythology at that time, there in Athens, to the goddess Athena. Everywhere you went in Athens, there were idols and monuments and temples to all these gods, and Paul says, you see everything you got here? My God is actually greater than that. Because he doesn't need a little house for you to build for him. He's everywhere at the same time. And I also think he wants to stress this attribute of God. We also know that God is omniscient. God is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. Omni means all. Omniscient has this idea of knowledge. God is all-knowing. And as I was typing this in my notes, there was this idea of, of how God knows everything, and he knows so much more than I do. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that, that, that I might think I've got it all figured out, but God knows it all. He has all knowledge. And how God reminded me of that as I was typing this is when I typed the word omniscient, there was this little red line underneath of it that spell check told me I'd messed it up. And it was like God saying, you don't even know how to spell that word. You know, it's like there's these moments where we got to be reminded of his attributes. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Listen to this. This is chilling. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The reality is that's a little bit terrifying. There's nothing you've ever said or done or thought, no place you've ever been that is a surprise to God. Anybody ever use the, the, the Google map view? This is a thing you can use online where maybe you, you go to a map in Google and then you can click this thing that takes you right down to the street view and shows you, like, literally, you can go to the street and you can see the houses, you can see the places. There's these cars that Google sends out. They've done it, they started in five cities in the US, they've done it now in 80 countries. The cars go out with these little 360 degree cameras that, that take pictures of everything as it drives and you can see it online. Anybody ever done that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, there was this dude in Peru who decided that he and his wife were gonna go on this trip and he thought, you know, I, I wanna check this place out. So he kinda was picking different places. He got on the Google Maps street view 
and he starts looking at the place where they're, where they're gonna go. And as he's doing this, he notices, and you may have seen this from time to time, he notices some people. Because as that Google car's out driving around, there may be people along the way, and people get in the pictures. Anybody ever seen that? It's kind of just, it's kind of interesting. Don't start doing it now, you can do it. Um, somebody else's sermon, all right? So, um, so he's doing this, he's checking, and he sees these people. Well, when people come up, what Google has done, they go in and they blur out the faces so to protect people's privacy. But this dude takes one look at the two people in this, and he says to himself, man, does that lady look familiar? He notices the clothes, the body, and he says to himself, I think that's my wife. Someplace I didn't know she went with a guy I don't recognize. He's so convinced that he pulls it up and shows it to her and says, isn't that interesting? <laughs> Which causes her then to be in a place where she has to confess that she's been cheating on him. And Google has now led to that poor guy's divorce because she thought she had gotten away with something, but Google knows everything. <laughs> Sometimes you wonder, don't you? God knows even more. God sees it all. There's nothing that is hidden or covered from his sight. That's slightly terrifying unless you, you keep a healthy perspective on the knowledge that God has. Look at what Jesus says, Matthew chapter six, verse eight. Do not be like them. He's talking about those who pray hypocritical prayers. He says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's a good word, isn't it? Before you ever even ask God, he knows what you need. He knows how to supply your need because he's omniscient and he knows everything. Not only does he know everything, but one last thing that Paul says in this part of this passage when he's talking about God as the creator, he says that God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. God doesn't need anything from us. It's not like he's limited in any way. Here's, here's the last attribute we'll consider today is that God is omnipotent. He's omnipotent, we say. Omni, all potent, powerful. God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. When God wanted to introduce himself to Abraham so that he could tell him who he was, in the Hebrew, he uses a name, El Shaddai. Have you ever heard that? Here's where he says it. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I am omnipotent. There is nothing that is too powerful for me. There is nothing that is not possible for me. And this is something that some of us have to wrestle with because we like the God that we create. We, we like the God that we put in a box or the God the way we think about him. But when I think about him being eternal, I can't wrap my brain around it. And when I think about him being om, 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 omnipresent, sometimes that freaks me out. When I think about him having omniscience and he knows everything, it honestly makes me a little bit nervous. And then I struggle to understand or to accept who God is. And God wants us to know he is all powerful. He is sovereign. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And some of you need to hear this today. Nothing is too hard for you. Anybody got anything in your life right now that you wonder if it's too difficult to see happen? Wonder, wonder if you're gonna be able to make it through this? 
Wonder if this deal's gonna finish up okay or get sorted out? Here's a good word. The Almighty God wants you to know that nothing is too difficult for him. He's got this. This is the introduction that Paul gives them to God. He says he's the creator. And then the second thing he wants them to see, remember this is an introduction in three parts. The first part is where Paul says God created everything. Second part, he says, and God gave you life. God created everything and God gave you life because now he goes from big picture God to big picture humanity, right? He brings it closer with what he says next and wants them to see that God desires to be active in their lives and watch what he says. Acts chapter 17, verse 25. Rather, he says, God himself gives everyone, that's you, life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Unpack that a little bit. He says that God gives everyone their life and their breath and everything else. Anything that you have, even the fact that you're breathing and living, comes from God. God is your source. And I, and I want to stress that for you today, that God is your source, especially if you're in a place in life where you, where you feel lack in some way or another. God is the one who is your source. And there's times when I have to remind myself of that, because if I don't, I'm prone to kind of fall on one of two sides of that thought. One is I begin to think that there's all these things that I have that I have to earn, that I have to find. There's things that I want, and I forget that everything that God has given to me, I'm to be a steward of. And if I forget that it's actually God's to begin with and he's entrusted it to me, then I start to get greedy with my time, with my money, with my abilities. He's the source of those things. The other side is when I do have lack, I start to get fearful about how those needs are gonna be met, and I have to think about, about it, and I'm gonna do it on my own, and I have to be reminded that God is the source. He's the one that meets my needs. And so before I get greedy or fearful, anybody? <laughs> before I get greedy or fearful, it helps me to go, God, you are my source. You are the one who has given me what I do have and will supply what I don't have. I put my trust in you because God, you are my source. You are the one who has given us life and breath and everything else. And we struggle to find peace in life when we're looking for that in money or people, jobs or self-worth. He's the one who gives it to us. And then watch this, because, because some of you have this thought about God or this thought about yourself that has held you back from some of the things that God has in store for you. Paul says to them that God has marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. This, this has fascinated me because it takes a lot of the randomness out of life. Some of us don't like our lot in life. We don't like where we live. We don't like when we live. We don't like the times that we're in, and we struggle with these things. But it says that God has the boundaries and the times, he has marked those out. He has decided those. He has determined them. He has set them. He has appointed them. This is not deism. Do you guys know that, that word deism? We, we talk about it sometimes. It's the idea that there is a God, but he's just like a, a master clockmaker. 
And so he created the world and then he wound it up like a clock and then he put it on his mantle and just let it run and he walked away from it. And many people think that God is that way. And this is, no, 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 just the opposite. That God is actively at work in your life because he has set the times and the places where you will live. And some of you don't like that because you say, God, you did this to me. You gave me this family. You gave me this resource or this lack. That's the reason I have this hurt or this loss or this privilege. Look, some of us misconstrue some of these things about God, and we'll get to this in just a few minutes, but we live in a fallen world. It's a world that's broken. It's a world that's not perfect. And in the midst of that, God is doing something in your life. Let's break this down for a minute. God has you when he wants you. God has you, this this moment, this time in history, when you live, God has you right when he wants you. Some people I talk to from time to time will say, I was just born in the wrong century. You ever heard anybody say that? Like, I would have been better in this decade, or I wished I lived in this time, or I wished it was a simpler time, or technology this, or the news that, and people say these things. And can I tell you, based on what Paul said, God has you right when he wants you. Like, he's designed your life for right now, for this moment, for the people that you interact with, for the places that you are. He has a plan for you in this moment. And some of you go, but I don't like this. I don't like this time. Maybe it's even a point where it's the season of life that you're in. Maybe there was a season of life that was different for you. It had more joy, or it had more resource, or it had more purpose, and you say, I don't like this season that I'm in. Here's what the psalmist says, Psalm 31, verse 14. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. The psalmist says, everything's not so good right now, but God, I ask you to save me because I can't do anything about when I live. My times are in your hands. God has you when he wants you, and God has you right where he wants you. Now, look, I know for some of you, maybe you're running from God, even geographically, but God has a plan for where he wants you to live. In fact, a a different translation of this same verse, what's called the NIV 84, says this, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them, and watch this, the exact places where they should live. Look, I would challenge you to believe that and and put trust in God, especially if you don't like where you find yourself in time and place right now. And say, God, for some reason, you've allowed me to be in this place. And rather than fighting it, recognize God has a plan for you. He's put you in this place. He's put you in this time. And God has a plan for you. And he's at work if you'll be open and put your confidence in him because he created everything and now he's given life to you in this time, in this place. Ephesians chapter five, verse 15. This is Paul again. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, yeah, everything's not so great, but right where you are, God has something for you. 
So you make the most of every opportunity. And he introduces God to them by saying, God is the one who created you, right? That was the first part. Second part, God gave you life. And then he answers why. Here's the third part of our introduction. So that you could know God. The God who created everything, the, the God who has given you life and time and place did this. Look, Paul maps out all this theology because there's something he doesn't want the people in Athens to miss. And Luke writes this down for us in the book of Acts because he wants his readers to make sure that they get this. And I'm stressing this today because I think some of us have a wrong perception about God, right? We wanna put him in some Sunday school box or we wanna wrestle through with the things we don't understand or we wanna see every place where God is unfair. Have you ever known anybody like that? that they always wanna point out the things and say, well, God was wrong here, or God wasn't right there, or if God loved me, or if God was really in control. And what Paul says to these people is this, the God who created everything and the God who gave you breath, he did this for a reason. Acts chapter 17, verse 27, it's so clear. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him though he's not far from any one of us. Look at that verse again. God did this so that you would seek him and perhaps you'd reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. So some of you feel like God may be pretty far from you. Maybe in a sense that you wonder if there even is one. Or a lot of us like to kind of pacify ourselves and go, well, yeah, I I believe that there is a God. I don't really understand him. Or or I go to church on Sundays just to make him happy. And you you assume that he's there. But did you seek him? Well, he's kind of far from me because because I know the things that I've done. Or I don't know how he could love me. Or I'm not important. I don't matter. or, Or what does God care about me? He says here that we are to seek him. And that language is so powerful to me. And perhaps reach out to him. Some of you perhaps need to reach out for God today. Maybe you've talked yourself out of it in the past or you thought that God didn't care. The Bible says it this way, Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Last summer, there was a a 53-year-old hiker named Jeff Murphy. He was in Yellowstone National Park and he was hiking by himself and he disappeared When they finally recovered his body, they found that at a place called the Turkey Pen Peak, he had fallen 500 feet to his death. He wasn't just a regular hiker. Jeff Murphy was a treasure seeker. He was out looking for this elusive box of gold that is said to be somewhere in the Rocky Mountains that's worth more than $2 million. It's buried somewhere in those mountains by an eccentric millionaire whose name is Forrest Fenn. Mr. Fenn is an art collector. He has more money than he knows what to do with. And he wrote a memoir several years back. He lives now in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And in his memoir, he said that somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, he has hidden a 10 by 10 box that weighs about 40 pounds when it's loaded, that in it are all kinds of jewels and riches and gold. And here's what he said. He wrote this weird poem in the book that he wrote. And he said that the box is in the Rocky Mountains, somewhere between Santa Fe and the Canadian border at an elevation above 5,000 feet. It's not in a mine, a graveyard, or near a structure. Well, that narrows it down. (laughs) Three guys after the last service said, if you don't see us for a couple months, we're going looking for it. 
I reminded them of the biblical principle of tithing. <laughs> Murphy died looking for it. You know what's interesting? He's the fourth guy to die looking for it. People are out there searching for something that we're not even sure even exists. And at the end of the day, isn't really gonna meet the needs that you have in your life. I share that story because Paul stands before this group in Athens. He says to him, you're out there looking for an unknown God? I'm telling you, he's right here. And he's created everything. And some of you are looking for answers that are greater than you. Well, God's eternal. He's greater than you. And some of you wonder if he can take care of you. Well, he's omnipotent, right? He's got all power and he's omnipresent, which means he's wherever you are and he's omniscient. He already knows how this thing's gonna work out even though you're fearful about it right now. And he loves you so much because he gave you your breath and he puts you right where you are because he has a plan for your life. And so this God, Paul says, and this God, Luke says, and this God, I want you to know, loves you so much that he says that if you'll seek for me, and perhaps, and some of you may have to get past yourself enough today to say that you're gonna reach out for him, that you'll find him because he's not far from us. And I know some of us have a hard time with, with some of this because we've experienced poverty or pain or sickness or loss or disappointment. And man, I'd be lying if I told you I understood it all. I don't know how to explain away some of the times and places where you might go, but where was God when? The only thing I know how to tell you is, is that we live in a world that's been affected because we're fallen because of sin. That means the world is, is broken. Does that make sense? It's not the way God created it. It's, it's broken. So God says, I'm going to fix it. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. He paid the price for our sins. And if you read through the Bible, in fact, Pastor Bill's teaching through the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights right now. When you read through the book of Revelation, what you find out is that the broken world, God's fixing it. He's restoring it. He's making all things new. And for some reason, he's chosen to do it in, in his time, not my time. Because in my time, if it was broken, you'd want it fixed right away, right? Anybody else? I'm into microwave fixes. Not God. And here's the reason why. I don't think his first priority is fixing a broken world. I think his first priority is fixing broken people. And his desire is that he helps to restore you and that you find him. Because if you'll seek for him, if, if perhaps you'll reach out for him, he says that you'll find him. And that in doing that, he can restore you and he can make you new. I grew up in a really cool little neighborhood kind of out in the country where there were about four houses or so where, the, where there was just kind of, we, we, where the yards, big yards were connected to one another and there were about six or seven of us that would play together and I can remember playing hide and seek out there like at dusk, it was awesome. Anybody ever play hide and seek? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so you're out there, and it was, it was awesome because we had houses, and we had cars that we could hide behind, and we had barns, and we had trees, and you could kind of go out back, back into the edge of the woods kind of thing. It was an awesome place to play hide-and-seek, especially if you were the hiders. It was awesome. If you were the seeker, it was lousy because <laughs> there's a lot of ground to cover. Nobody cares about the seeker, right? Let's stick it to the seeker. I'm still bitter, just to be honest. <laughs> Rob and Ray, and I mean, I'm just, I'm still mad at those guys, right? But what does Paul say? 
He says, like, if you seek him, you're going to find him because he's not far from you. The reality is God is not hiding. He's ready for you to find him. He wants you to find him. Even in your pain and in your hurt, even in your disappointments, when those times come, those aren't times to push God away. Those are times to open up to him. Wherever you are and whatever you are going through, God has created or allowed that as an opportunity for you to reach out to him. In the good times and the bad times, God has either created or he's allowed that in our broken world to be an opportunity for you to reach out to him and find him because the Bible says he's not far from you. Why do we stress this? Because sometimes when it's just based on our own thoughts, we forget the attributes of the God who created everything. And we forget he's the God who gives us breath and everything else. And we forget the fact that what he ultimately wants is to know us. And then we begin to build a God in our minds who's the God that we like, the God that we can control, the God that we can design, that unknown God that the Athenians built. And instead, we wanna know the real God, not just one who's easier for us to handle. Back in the 1800s, there was this point on the southern coast of Australia where there were a lot of shipwrecks because right there along the coast, there were these rocks that you couldn't see, but it was, was, it was terrifying and it was a damaging thing for people to see. It's called the Cape of St. George. And right there in that place, they decided we need a lighthouse here. We, we need to put something here to protect people. And so they, uh, they commissioned this lighthouse to be built by a, an architect, a guy whose name was Alexander Dawson. They had a surveyor named Milligan. This is 1857. And when they built this thing, they went out and they found a spot and they built it not based on what the best spot for the lighthouse would be, but based on the easiest spot for them to build on. <laughs> Geographically, what was easiest? What would be the easiest place for them to have stone brought in so they could build with that? And, and the, the officials came out and said, are you sure this is the right spot? And they questioned a bunch of stuff, but they still let them build it in that spot. And so they built this lighthouse, not because it was built on the truth of what the best spot would be, but they built it on the place they liked the most. And for the next 40 years, there were more than two dozen shipwrecks that happened there because it was a cool looking lighthouse, but it didn't serve the purpose because they build it based on what they thought it should be and not about the truth of what it should be. And I introduce you to God today in three parts because I don't want your thoughts about God to be based on who you think he is, but on who scripture says he is. Because the God who created everything and the God who gives you life says that if you will seek him, perhaps if you'll reach out for him, you'll find him. And then that'll change everything in your life. So I'm gonna invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And there was a really powerful phrase in that song that they sang just a few minutes ago, Yahweh, that says, you are the great I am, seated upon the throne. Nothing can take your place in my heart. I'm bringing all I am, standing with lifted hands. Nothing can take your place in my heart. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and sing that part. And as we do, would you make it your prayer? And say, God who created everything, who gives me life, 
I give all of myself to you. God, I want to know you. Not who I think you are, but who you really are. Would you stand with me? And in these next few moments as we sing this song, would you make it your prayer? Again, you are the great I am. You are the great I am, seated upon the throne. Nothing can take your place in my heart. And I'm bringing all I am, standing with lifted hands. Nothing can take your place in my heart. One more time, make it your prayer. You are the great I am. You are the great I am, seated upon the throne. Nothing can take your place in my heart. I'm bringing all I am, standing with lifted hands. Nothing can take your place in my heart. Now sing his name, it's Yahweh. Thank you. Singing your name, Yahweh, Yahweh. Singing your name, Yahweh, Yahweh. Singing your name, Yahweh, Yahweh. Singing your name. Father, we thank you that you are a God that we can know. Lord, some of us needed to be encouraged today by how great you are. So, Lord, show yourself great in our circumstances. Some of us need to be reminded today that you are our source, right, right where we are in this time, in this place. Lord, we, we rely on the fact that you're going to prove yourself faithful. And God, some of us, perhaps we need to reach out for you today and break down our pride move past our fears set aside our own answers the way we think you should be and say God we look to you today we're bringing all that we have nothing can take your place in our hearts we want to know you God Lord thanks for your word that speaks to us Lord, we ask as you go from here would you go with us Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.